welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Hey, Kingdom Culture family, so good to see you. Happy Sunday once again, coming at you online every week. So thankful for you stopping by. Those of you that watch later, we love you, even though we miss you on the live chat. Please, if you're in with us live, please um, send us your comments. Like, let us know how we can pray for you. Let us know what's going on, how you feel about the experience The more engagement, the better. This is how we connect in this season. Don't forget to like as well. Like the video. Like, like, like. Hit the like video or hit the like on the video. It helps helps speed up the algorithm on YouTube and get this message out to more people with more reach. Also, subscribe if you haven't already. And if you're watching on Facebook, please help us by sharing the broadcast. It would mean the world just so that we can extend an invitation to more people each and every week. But I'm excited about this week specifically because we're closing out a very powerful series called Divided. And if you haven't been tracking with us, uh, please, I would encourage you, go back and listen to the other two messages, powerful, pivotal messages as we exit the series today. We're going to go into part three. Now, as you know, last week we had a little bit of an interruption for Mother's Day. We had uh, spiritual mother of Michelle and I, Patricia King. I actually didn't say this, but, you know, uh, for those of you who've been tracking with us for some time, I mean, she has had a huge impact on and in our in our lives over the years. In fact, um, she was one of the main people when I was a 22-year-old that opened up doors of media. In the very beginning, I was on her TV show. It went viral all over the world, and she was a huge part of my journey. Not only did she give us, like I said last week, the not-for-profit, the legal entity in Canada, which we changed the name to Kingdom Culture, she forwarded my book, Um, And like I said, I was an associate with her for some time and did a lot of amazing things, filmed a documentary with her live in Las Vegas, did some street ministry. I've had a lot of interaction with her over the years, and she's been a huge blessing to my life. In fact, I almost moved to Phoenix, Arizona, or actually Maricopa, Arizona, where she's based out of when I was 22, before I was even married. So, I mean, lots to be thankful for. So if you haven't tuned in and watched that message, message for Mother's Day. Check it out last week. Patricia King, an incredible, inspiring woman. And uh, she's more than just a minister, more than just a public speaker. She's an incredible entrepreneur, businesswoman, and so much more. So check it out if you haven't already checked it out. But like I said, we're moving into week three. Now, just to give you a little bit of a uh, recap on the series we've been in called Divided. Part one, we talked about dealing with gray, okay? Dealing with Gray, identifying motives, loving humility, and finding loyalty. Those were the three 
main takeaway points that we addressed during this message, talking about living on the fence and how living in the middle on issues is actually more damaging than picking a side. Part two, the next week, we talked about casting down criticism. And the two main points that we drew from the scripture was protect your tribe and protect your heart. Now remember, this whole divided series has been based out of James chapter four, okay? Written to new century uh, Jewish Christians and our first century Jewish Christians, new new century, and um, first century, sorry. And uh, it's actually considered the oldest book in the New Testament. And one of the most, if not the most, practical when it comes to our faith book of the New Testament. So if you haven't read the book of James, I would encourage you to read the book of James. My four kids, oh, actually, no, three of my four kids have all, no, sorry, two of my four kids uh, have already read the book of James. And I, I encourage them to read it long ago because of just the practicality of it. So let's go back into James chapter four. And we're going to kind of exit out of this series reading the last few verses, okay? James chapter 4, verse thir verses 13 to 17, and I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. Listen, those of you who are boasting, today or tomorrow we'll go to another city and spend some time and go into business and make heaps of profit. Now, just as a little bit of context, this really is kind of like a rebuke or a, a correction to prideful business leaders, or let me say it like this, prideful visionaries, okay? But this can and is applied to everyone, okay? And it really has to do with a mindset, and it has to do with um, what we, or what the Bible talks about all throughout scripture as pride, you know, in, in part two of our casting down criticism, or sorry, part one of dealing with gray, we talked about loving humility. Well, this, this, this loving humility and this putting humility first really is congruent through this entire chapter because now he's really addressing the pride of the rich or the pride of these business leaders, visionaries, okay? But like I said, this can be applied to all of us and in fact is applied to all of us. So he says, listen, those of you, remember this is James, the half-brother of Jesus, listen, those of you who are boasting, okay, you're bragging, you're proud in the way you communicate about what's going to take place in and through your business, in and through your desires, your purposes, your plans. Those of you who are boasting today or tomorrow will go to another city and spend some time and go into business and make heaps of profit. This over um, wrong confidence, okay? This is what it's addressing, a wrong confidence. Verse 14, but you don't have a clue what tomorrow may bring. For your fleeting life is but a warm breath in some translations, it would say like a vapor. It's but a warm breath of air and is visible in the cold only for a moment and then vanishes. Just like when you're outside, if you live in Canada, you know, and you're in a, it's a, it's a, it's a cold day, you come out of your house and you can see your breath. You, you speak and you can see your breath. It doesn't stay there very long. It as the same way, is this what it's talking about, as vapor or as you can see your own breath, it's, it's not, it doesn't last very long. And that's kind of what our life is like. Our life is short. And it feels long at times, it feels long in seasons, but like I say, and like you've heard it said, and I hear all the time it said, is like with kids. 
it, it's like the blink of an eye. And I, I'm experiencing that now. My kids, you know, my oldest is almost 12. And I'm like, what has happened in the last 12 years? This is like, she could be married in like seven years. It makes me want to like vomit. Can't even think about that. But anyways, like time flies. Our life flies. The people that we're in relationship with, it flies. And so this is this is sort of the, the idea or the illustration that the writer is trying to get across. Verse 15, instead you should say, our tomorrows are in the Lord's hands. And if he is willing, we will live life to its fullest and do this or that. So it's giving us sort of like, this is the frame of mind you're in, and I want to correct it, to this is what you need to do. This is how you need to think. This is how you need to talk. Verses 16, but here you are boasting in your ignorance. There again, that's that boasting, that proudful communication, boasting in your ignorance. For to be presumptuous about what you'll do tomorrow is evil. Now, this is a very aggressive statement. To presume, to be presumptuous towards what's going to take place tomorrow in a, a wrong, confident way, in a wrongful, proud way is evil. It's likened to evil, okay? This is aggressive, verse 17. So if you know of an opportunity to do the right thing today, yet you refrain from doing it, you're guilty of sin. So now in this specific situation, the sin is basically to announce plans as if we could control all the circumstances, failing to acknowledge that God is in charge and our plans depend on his will. Ultimately, our plans depend on his will. It's this, this overconfident pronouncement of plans that really are out of our control, but we act as though we are in control. When we do that, okay, or when we act as though we are really in charge, which is a better word, act as though we are in charge, realizing that, listen, God is the one in charge. God has given us control, but he is the one in charge. He is the oversight of our life. So for us to to be in this proudful state of wrong confidence, constantly announcing and presuming that this is how it's going to go down tomorrow, we can do that. And it may be true at times. You may be right. But ultimately, the, the rebuke is focused on the source. Where is this coming from? It's coming from a, a, a pride-focused heart, a wrong confidence. So today, my message title, if you're taking notes, is titled, Watch Your Confidence, Part 3. Watch your confidence. How is this connected with the theme of this three-part series? As I said in the first part of this whole series, we often think of division as everything around us. So we're divided in our company. We're divided with our employees. We're divided with our relationships. We're divided in our families, our churches. Dividing, we're divided politically. We think of division often always from an external perspective. But I'm also talking about throughout this series the division within us. Things that happen first on the inside then manifest themselves on the outside. And even the whole book of James or chapter four, chapter four of James opens up with that, focusing on the external, but then brings it back to, but didn't all these divisions start within you first? See, our external, the fruit of our life comes out of a root within our life. So things start on the inside and then they manifest themselves on 
the outside. So this is kind of what we're talking about today, things that are brewing on the inside that get us off track and get us get, getting us to live outcomes that are undesirable. So like I said, it's, it's not just about the external, it's about the internal. Simply put, write this down, a wrong confidence or not watching where our confidence is placed will cause an undesirable outcome. A wrong confidence or not watching where our confidence is placed will cause an undesirable outcome. Because in this passage, there is a confidence placed on their own ability to control or be in charge of outcomes in life. And the reality of it is we don't know if tomorrow the weather's gonna change. We can have the prediction, we can have the forecast, but as you know, in Ottawa, sometimes, a lot of the time, the weather predictions are inaccurate. So you can have a prediction and you can presume that something's gonna happen based upon patterns and statistics and data. And often, yes, they can be accurate, but also often at times and in seasons, they can be inaccurate or not totally 100% accurate. They can be like 80% accurate sometimes. The point of it is, is that we put so much focus sometimes in our own ability to make things happen and predict the future that we actually fail and the division begins to happen because there's something that goes on with the motivation that I believe, and James is saying, actually is evil, okay? That's what we're talking about. So just track with me for a little bit here. Let me go back to the main passage again, okay? Listen, those of you who are boasting today, or those of you who are boasting, then he says, today or tomorrow, we'll go to another city, spend some time there, go into business, make heaps of profit. Let's talk about that word boasting for a second, okay? What does it mean to wrongfully boast or to be proud in the wrong way or confident in the wrong way? Boasting in this passage literally means to speak of deeds, abilities, or characteristics in a manner showing pride or self-satisfaction. Okay, in the Old Testament, boasting is often used to describe the basic attitude of the ungodly who depend on their own resources rather than God. Remember in Deuteronomy, when, when Deuteronomy is a preparation book, okay, it's a book that was getting Israel prepared to journey through the wilderness while they were in it into the promised land. It was the preparation of when you get to the promised land. This is, you gotta make sure all these things are in place, A, B, C, D, E, okay? One of the things that he opens up with in the first eight books of Deuteronomy, it says, remember, when you get into the promised land, remember who it is who gives you the power to get wealth. Why do we need to remember? Because sometimes along the journey, we can forget how we got here. Did we make the call? Did we predict? Did we presume, was our, presume, our, presumptu, our presumptions correct? You know, or did God, was it God who brought me along the journey and prepared these things, or was it me? Okay, so this is all throughout the Old Testament, often boasting in this context was used as uh, sort of an example of people who depend on their own resources rather than God, okay? Now, let's just go back for a second to verse 16, chapter four. But here you are boasting in your ignorance for to be presumptuous about what you'll do tomorrow is evil. Let's break that, that down, that word down, evil, because, you know, it sounds almost like, is it demonic if I presume that this is gonna happen tomorrow? Am I automatically evil? Am I automatically in pride? No, okay? But let's break down this word evil for a second. It literally means laborious trouble or pain. It means a pain-ridden, emphasizing the inevitable agonies or misery that always go with evil. It can be defined as oppressed 
by toils, okay? So let me rephrase it or let me kind of relanguage this verse. But here you are boasting, okay, are overconfident. You're not watching where your confidence is placed. Your confidence is placed in your own pride of presuming that you can predict what's going to happen tomorrow, okay? Not trusting that God is still in charge, even though you've been given control over things. God is still the one in charge. He's still in oversight over life. Then it says this, for to be presumptuous about what you'll do tomorrow, let's replace the word evil for, for to be presumptuous about what you'll do tomorrow, it will bring you into laborious trouble, will cause you pain, will cause you miserby, uh, misery, will feel like agony at times because you'll live in the disappointment of a wrongful prediction based upon a pride, that's the source, motivating your prediction because of selfishness, self-centeredness. So there's a pain, there's an agony that comes sometimes with predicting the future out of a pride. God wants a humility. It's one thing to prophesy the future, okay? It's a whole other thing to be presumptuous about the future. Two different realities. I'm not talking about prophesying. I'm not talking about getting God's perspective, God's vision, God's plan. But when we get ahead of God's plan and we get into pride, we start making presumptions, not prophecies about our future. And then we live in the agony of the failure of those things and actually blame God and say, well, God's promises are not yes and amen. Yes, they are. You just missed it because of pride. You know, when we pray, for example, and we, or we hear things like in Psalms 37, God gives us the desires of our heart. You know, what if those desires are corrupt? What if those desires are wrong, are, are sourced from a state of pride and arrogance and self-centeredness? Well, I'm telling you, God's not going to give us those desires. He's not going to let us have something that's going to damage us or take us out. And sometimes when we have these desires, it begins to intermingle with our perspective of God and our perspective of what God wants to do. And we actually think it's God's purpose. We actually think it's God's plan. And then we go into agony and pain when it doesn't happen. And then the Bible talks about hope deferred makes the heart sick. We get hopeless and we need some hope, but we can't find hope because we're so hopeless. We can't see the other side. We stop, we stop believing in the voice of God now because we've been so discouraged and disappointed with the things that haven't happened that even when things do happen, we can't even celebrate them, okay? And this is why the writer is really trying to expose this, this wrongful motivation in the rich or in the visionary so we don't get presumptuous. He, I, I believe this, without, without saying it, it's almost like we need to get more prophecy-focused or prophetic in our perspective and less presumptuous in our perspective, okay? And that presumption, that presumption really is motivated from a self-centeredness of pride, okay? Now, this word for evil also comes from a word that means hurtful, okay? And it can affect our influence. It's hurtful because, you know, like I said, hurt people hurt people. Rejected people end up rejecting people. If you're, if you don't deal with, if we don't deal with our hurt, we're going to end up hurting the very people that we are called to love. And so everything that comes from pride ends up not being good fruit. And so that's why I think Paul or James is addressing this so that we don't miss it. We don't miss it in presumption. 
three, you know, Romans 12, verse 3, the, the writer Paul, he says, basically, I'm going to paraphrase it, he says, don't, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Don't think of yourself outside of the grace of God. Think of yourself within the grace of God. How does God see you? Proverbs 16, verse 18 says, your boast becomes, I love this, your boast, okay, your wrong presumption becomes a prophecy of a future failure. The higher you lift yourself up in pride, the harder you fall in disgrace. That, that word pride means overconfident, okay? There we, there we go again. It's like, where, where is our confidence? We gotta watch our confidence in this season. The boast, your boast becomes a prophecy of future failure. Once again, it's a wrong boast. It's not boasting in the goodness of God. It's not boasting in the grace of God, the mercy of God. It's a boast in, I'm in charge, not God. I control everything in my life. I'm my own God. It's self-centered, motivated, and therefore <clears throat> becomes a prophecy of future failure. When the failure happens, we get disappointed, and then we blame God when God had nothing to do with it in the first place. The higher you lift yourself up in pride, the harder you fall in disgrace, speaking of overconfidence. Now, I just spent the last, you know, 20 minutes basically building the baseline, okay? I want to give you three quick statements, three, three quick simple statements that James is encouraging us to live by so that we can watch our confidence. To watch our confidence, to make sure that we can expose you know, the areas of our life where we're going to miss it and we're missing it because of presumption, because our confidence is placed in the wrong thing. There are three simple statements that I believe will help us if we were to live by these statements so that we can watch continually where our confidence lies. Number one, write this down. My life is in his hands. My life is in his hands. This is an acknowledgement that we are one with him. We are his. My life is God's. My life is God's. He's in charge. Yes, I am in control. I'm called to be a steward of what's in front of me. But ultimately, he is in charge. Because he's in charge, he can change the situation like that in a moment, okay? Maybe I should sing the song for you, and maybe you can sing along with me. Ready? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in it. No, I'm not gonna keep singing, but you, you, get, you, get, you get the point, right? You get the point. Like, he's got the whole world in his hands. My life is in his hands. James is saying, I want you to think like this. I want you to perceive me in this way. I don't want you to be presumptuous. I want you to watch your confidence. Realize that your life is in my hands. Hand. Let's actually read the verse, James chapter 4, verse 15. Go there. Instead, you should say, okay, instead, you should say, our tomorrows are in the Lord's hands. So rather than being presumptuous, overconfident, confident in the wrong thing, presumptuous, not prophetic, okay, rather than boasting in the wrong thing in pride, I want you to say, our tomorrows are in the Lord's hands. Our tomorrows are in the Lord's hands. Realizing that, okay, my life is his. You know, not to say we don't plan, not to say, and I'm gonna address this, okay, because you're thinking in your mind, well, what, we just can't plan, we just can't have vision, we can't have goals. No, I'm not saying any of that. We need to do all of that. We need to seek wise counsel. We need to have a plan, strategy. But in the end, okay, this is what I'm trying to say. In the end, we have to realize that although we take steps, God is the one who orders them. 
So our steps may be like staggered. God brings them into order. God brings them into stability. Because as we walk, it's like he constantly aligns us and realigns us. There's things that we may get right and there's things that we may get wrong. It's not about getting it right or wrong. It's about trusting that God in the end has our best interest in mind. And if things aren't working out the way that we planned, we can rely and trust in that things are working out in the way he planned it, okay? So verse 15, you should say, our tomorrows are in the Lord's hands. Our tomorrows are in the Lord's hands. Man, I, if, if there's anything that I would say to a young, I don't wanna say overzealous, but a young, zealous, passionate leader in any field, okay, whether it's, it could be even in their relationship with God, but it, it could be in, in business, government, education, in any field, you know, family, in any scenario of society. Is there anything that I would say to an up-and-coming young leader, and I'll also say this to everybody in the end, but is that it's very easy to stand in front of God's plan because we're blinded by our passion. Now, we hear all the time about passion being a good thing, and we need passion for life, and, and you know, motivation and inspiration, and that's all true, okay? But it's also very easy for the zealousness, the, the zealousness of passion, if I can couple those two words together, to blind us from reality sometimes. We can, passion has a way sometimes of, of getting us into a euphoric state of, of this is how life ideally will be, not is supposed to be. There's one thing to say, this is how life is supposed to be. But to make a confident statement, this is how life will be, it, that's when we be begin to move into presumption. Because we often see the mountain. We see the mountaintop. We see where we want to go. But we don't realize, especially if we're new on this journey, all the hiccups and all the redirects and all the challenges and all the obstacles that are disguised as or all the opportunities that are disguised as obstacles that we will face along the journey getting to the mountaintop. And it's in that space where people often give up. So they start off good, almost blinded by their passion, great vision, great dreams. And it might go that way for a short time until the first couple roadblocks, the first couple obstacles. You know, maybe we did not plan that, you know, 40-year detour. Israel did not plan to be in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses did not plan to die in the wilderness, okay? But he did. He was supposed to lead Israel into the promised land, but he didn't. He died in the wilderness. So all I say to all, all I say this, I say all this to say is that we have to every day come back to this idea and this statement that my my whole life is in his hands. So I'd say to any young leader out there, you can have passion and you can have big goals, big dreams, great, but realize that probably things will not go the way you planned to get to that space of that dream, that purpose, that goal. There will be hiccups, surprises along the way. And if you can expect that to happen, you won't be disappointed when it does. And you'll realize it's all part of the journey. And like I said, uh, you know, this whole verse is not to excuse a lack of planning. 
In fact, it's it's the opposite. It's just to include, to be open to include God into the planning. This is specifically addressing an over pride-centered confidence, being independent from a revelation of who God is and ultimately that he is in charge. I remember, you know, back in 2015, January of 2015, we had a five-year vision. And this is back when we had our building. And we had been in the best season of growth and uh, in that season. And in fact, that year, uh, we opened the whole year up with a five-year plan. But that year specifically, we had um, a plan to be with at certain, you know, metrics, certain numbers, certain stats. And it was healthy. I mean, you know, like I said, like you still plan and you still, as long as you include God in the plan. But uh, little did I know that we wouldn't be there a full year. I had a plan that by the end of 2015, this is the state of our ministry on all these different levels. We even released a magnet, you guys. Uh, maybe you saw this, released a magnet with all of our goals that all the people put on, put on their fridge. And the hashtag was, the future is bright if you can see it. And so it was great. And we literally hit, like, I think it was like 75 to 80% of our goals by September. But little did I know that in the end of August, okay, in the end of August, uh, we would get the letter or the call that we had to be out within a few months of our building. And little did I know that we would then be going from venue to venue for three years visiting or using 13 different venues. So not only did we not hit 100% of our goals, we did hit a lot of our goals. We lost all that traction the, literally the year we lost our building or over the next year after we lost our building. And it felt like, man, what was that all about? You know, and I don't have to have all the answers. I am just called to continue to move forward and adjust as God adjusts me, okay? So once again, it's not about not planning. It's just about moving with his adjustments, you know, and then, you know, also, I mean, we tried buying a building for seven years and, uh, and, and that didn't work out. And we were close to, like, we were three times we let, we, we released three offers on this one specific building and a rejection all every, every time. We had a big plan for 2020 and, uh, you know, we were going to do all these different things. It was called Revive 2020. And literally like weeks before we moved into this series before, uh, it was weeks before even Easter of 2020, the pandemic hit and the whole world shut down. And now we've been literally living in this space for coming on to 15 months now, like just crazy. We didn't plan for any of this. And so this is just part of moving with him and understanding that my whole life is in his plans. And so, you know, how, you got to ask yourself, how accurate have you been in your presumptions? Have they been failed prophecies? or have they actually come true? I'm not saying that things don't come as planned and, and we don't hit our goals. I'm not saying any of that. Please don't hear me say that. I'm just saying to include God in it and don't be over presumptuous. Let pride kick in and blind you. Number two, number two second statement that James is encouraging us to have is have a I'm open to what he wants mentality. I am open to what he wants perspective. Be willing to be in step with the spirit. Galatians chapter five, verse 25. The writer says, as Paul says this, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. That, that word in the Greek literally means to keep in line with him. Like be in line with him. Go where he wants you to go. Follow in his footprints. 
Let him lead you. Let him be at the helm of your life. Because our life is in his hands and things happen, the next statement that we need to make over our living is being open to now pivot. I'm open to what he wants, open to pivot, adjust, and keep in step with what he is doing. Remember, God still orders our steps. We make plans and he purposes those plans. We make plans and he purposes those plans. What do I mean by that? Is that we make plans and if, even if our plans are off, God will help us find purpose out of those wrong plans. Why? Because he's redemptive. So we make a plan to do ABC because he's so redemptive, even if those plans aren't God's plan, okay, he'll find purpose within those plans to help us pull something good out of what feels bad or what feels like a failure. This is the God that we serve, you guys. Like, he takes the bad and brings good out of it. And, and he does that. For all those that are called according to his purpose, that's what the Bible says, and we believe in what his word says, that even when life gives us lemons, we're gonna make some amazing, epic lemonade. Psalms 37, verse 23, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. Once again, he directs our steps, okay? Even if we have made a step, a wrong step, he'll redirect those steps. He delights in every detail of their lives. God cares about every part of your being, not just about your Sunday attendance, not just about your, your, your tithes, your offerings, your generosity, not just about how you're loving your neighbor. All those things matter, okay? All those things matter. How you take care of your family, how you love, how you lead. But he cares about every little minute detail of your life. This season, this pandemic has been a wedge for so many people because nobody planned a pandemic. But it's also been a, pur uh, uh, a purposeful pivot for so many others. And I'm hoping that by the end of however long this season goes, that when we come out of isolation, come out of this, especially if you live in Ontario, that you'll be able to say, this wasn't a wedge. This wasn't a, a roadblock for me. This was a purposeful pivot. I actually needed this season to realign, to readjust, to stay in line, like Galatians 5.25 says, with the Spirit. I needed this season to do that. And I believe that, uh, that, that many of you are gonna be able to say that at the end of this season. So now let's just go back to um, the, the main passage here, James chapter four out of verse 15. So we have, instead you should say, our tomorrows are in, our, are in the Lord's hands. That was number one. And number two, which is the point we're on right now. And if he is willing, okay? And if he is willing, this is an invitation. To in the end, I'm open to what he wants. In the end, I'm open to what he wants. If he's willing, if he's willing, if he's not willing, I mean, I'm open to what he wants. I'm open to what he has for my life. So focus on today, not in presumption of tomorrow. It's a great statement. You should write that on your wall. Write that on your arm. Make a little uh, chalk note on your, your, little, your, little, your little grocery list chalkboard you have in your wall or your mirror. So focus on today, not in presumption of tomorrow. Be present with today. I mean, let me ask you a question. How many wanted something recently but didn't get what they wanted, they got what they needed? I think a lot of us live in that space. I know we, we my kids want chocolate, but they get broccoli. You know, they, they want to stay up late, but they need to go to bed to get rest. You know, they want the dog, but they need to make their bed. You know, like there's so many things we want in life, but then there's things that we actually need to do in life to even prepare 
for the things that we want in life. And much of our life in seasons feels like getting what we need more than what we want. And that's okay. And this is not to conflict with Psalms 37 that says God delights in our, our details, our details of our lives. God gives us the desires of our heart. Even the desires of your heart that he gives you involve him giving you what you need as the setup for the things that you want. Sometimes our desires come packaged in the things that we need. I want a car, God, because I'm sick of taking the bus. I want a car. And so God gives us a job. <laughs> we want the car, but we need the job to buy the car. You see what I'm saying? So even God's desires that come to you as answered prayer in your life come packaged in the things that you need to acquire those desires. It's not so God's just going to give you a car and someone's going to drop a car off, say, hey, I bought a car from you. That could happen. It does happen, okay? But often what we need gives us the support system or the mechanism to acquire the things that we want in life. And in marriage, we often do not get our own way or always get what we want, but we do get what we need to become a better human. I think marriage, relationship, any relationship really is not just about getting what you want, it's about getting what you need to become a better human. Because relationships really have a way of uh, character refining you and developing you into the person that you are called to become. So number one, we have this, this statement of living that we need to live by. James is encouraging us to live by, and that's my life is in his hands. I can sing that song to you again, but I'm not. Number two, we have I'm open to what he wants. As James says, if you are willing, I'm open to what he wants. And number three, last point, and then we're going to close, is having this statement or living by this statement, I'm hoping to live my best. I'm hoping to live my best. Let's go back to verse 14, chapter 4. Like I said, uh, I've read it all again. I'll read it again. Instead, you should say, our tomorrows are in the Lord's hands. And if he is willing, now this is the statement, we will live life to its fullest and do this or that. We will live life to its fullest and do this or that. What a great statement. I mean, and this, once again, it sounds like, how do we even plan? Like, how do we, how do we take steps when this is the attitude that we're called to have. We will live life to its fullest and do this or that. It's simply being open and saying, this is my desire. I can't say beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am going to live life to its fullest because I may make, may, make stupid mistakes that compromise my ability, compromise my health. I might eat a poor diet, which then affects my future because now, you know, I have organ breakdown or things happening. Like, like we, it, we need to make the statement that my desire and my hope lies in this ability to live life to its fullest, fullest and do this or that I, I'm gonna do whatever he wants me to do. I'm gonna adjust with his steps when he reorders my steps. And then it continues on saying, but here you are boasting in your ignorance for it to be presumptuous about what you'll do tomorrow is evil. So if you know of an opportunity to do the right thing today, yet you refrain from doing it, you're guilty of sin. It also says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, so don't lose your bold, courageous faith for you are destined for a great reward. Keep on moving, keep on hoping because the destiny is your best, but you can't give up along the way. We need to watch our confidence in this season. Psalms 16, verse eight, and I wanna close with this. Says The writer says, because I set you, Yahweh, God, 
the Hebrew God, the God of this universe, always close to me, my confidence, everyone say it, confidence, my confidence will never be weakened for I experience your wraparound presence every moment. So this is where our confidence is supposed to be placed. This is where we need to see our confidence grow. It's in this space of because I set you, God, before me, I put you into my focus, I fix my focus on you, and because I have an awareness that you are side by side with me, that I am one with you, my confidence, it says here, will never be weakened. And most translations you've heard it said like, will not be shaken. And that's because I have experienced your wraparound presence in every moment. This is the confidence that I want to have. I want to have a confidence in God. I want to have a confidence in the future. I want to have a confidence in where God's taking me, a prophetic confidence out of the place to flow out of this understanding that God is with me all the time. I want it to flow out of this place where it's because my focus is fixed on him, because I set him before me in every area of my life, in my family, in my relationships, in my finances, in my spiritual values and what I care about in this life. Because of all those things, that's where I want my confidence to be birthed from. Not from a self-centered confidence, not from an arrogance, not because I think I'm in complete, and I'm in charge of every area of my life. I want God to be the one that gives me the confidence that cannot be shaken. And it's this understanding that he is with me and will never leave me nor forsake me in Jesus' name. I hope this encouraged you this morning. I wanna pray with you. I wanna pray that in this season, God would adjust your heart, adjust your thinking. I wanna pray that all the division around us, within us right now, would begin to, 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 to become undivided, to become healed, to become, that we'd become whole in our perspective, that all those undesirable outcomes that may be happening in our life because there's breakdown on the inside, that there's internal battles that we're having right now, there's, there's gray areas that we're living in right now, there's, there's pride that's blocking our ability to move forward, there's, there's an overzealous, unhealthy sense of passion that maybe is blinding us from making the right decisions and trusting God ultimately with our life. I wanna pray that in this season, we would see great healing in everything we touch, in our communities, in our relationships, our families, our businesses, that where there's been divide because of the division within us, where there's been divide, that there would be wholeness again, reconciliation, restoration, and that God would show himself strong as a redemptive God that even in a bad situation, he can find and turn it into something so good in Jesus' name. So God, I thank you that in this season you desire healing. And I pray for everybody watching right now that has struggled through this season, put their confidence in the wrong things, the confidence in the wrong areas. I pray that in this season, God, you'd restore them. Restore the right confidence. God, restore the right areas where we are to invest our confidence in Jesus' name. God, I pray for families that have been divided. I pray for um, relationships, friendships, communities, God, churches out there that have been divided and have been living through breakdown. I pray, God, you'd heal the heart because that's where it all starts anyways. It's within the heart of the person, of the individuals that make up a community, that make up a business, that make up 
a corporation or whatever the case may be, make up a government or whatever, whatever systems of society you are functioning in. God, I pray for healing of the heart in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you'd overwhelm us right now overwhelm us. I even feel like right now physically as a sign of the spiritual stuff that God's doing in this in this hour and in this season in your life, God's touching your physical heart right now. For those of you out there that maybe have a heart, a physical heart issue, something's wrong with the rhythm of your heart, God is touching you right now. God is healing you right now in Jesus' name. And that even alone is a sign, is a spiritual parallel of the spiritual healing that's taking place in and through your lives and around those that you love in Jesus' name. God, I pray that from this moment forward that we would see around us in our inner circles, God, in in our extended circles, just a change a change where even around us, the world seems divided and in such chaos. God, I pray that you would just bring an inner peace, an inner peace to our lives that would be able to almost silence or bring down a notch, bring down a level of the division around us. I pray that we would be signs of healing, signs of wholeness, not signs of division, that we represent the light where there's darkness because division can be really dark. It is very dark. I pray that, God, you turn the light on inside of us and make us men and women of peace, that when we come into into moments of division, we would bring healing as just a byproduct of us being in the same room. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Love you, Kingdom Culture. I hope this three-part message really encouraged you. And uh, we're closing out today this series on division. Let's move forward. Let's be healthy. Let's be strong. Let's love those around us even harder and better in this season in Jesus' name. We'll see you next week. Wow, this was so good, Pastor Sean. Thank you so much. This Divided Series, man, so good, so amazing, so awesome to dive into James chapter 4 getting confidence in the mm-hmm. season who is your like who has your confidence you know where's your confidence placed upon i want to encourage you if you never made a decision and if you don't have that firm trust that the, the pastor sean just shared like trusting the one that takes good care of you the one that has your heart that one that has the best plan for your life if you want to get confidence in this season there's no better place no better hope Mm -hmm. than putting in jesus so i want to encourage you if this is you if you lack confidence in this season if you want to make a decision to say yes to go into a life not of religion but of relationship Mm -hmm. i want to encourage you to pray this prayer after me say lord jesus i give you my heart i put all my confidence in you I ask forgiveness for my sins. I give my hearts, I give my minds, I give everything to you. I declare that you are my Lord and Savior. I believe that you were raised from the dead to give me new life and hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Wow, that was great. That was awesome. And if you made a decision today, we really want to hear from you and stay connected with you. So please send us an email to prayer at kingdomculture.ca. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. If you didn't uh, catch up part one or part two of the Divided Series, go back to our YouTube channel. As you're there, just make sure you subscribe. 
share this message with someone that will be encouraged by you mm -hmm. and have an amazing week yeah have an amazing week enjoy the good weather today and we'll see you next week we miss you bye, bye.